Welcome back to the Neuroscience Meets Social and Emotional Learning Podcast, episode number 120. With a review and my experience using the Fisher-Wallace Brain Stimulator from episode number 108 with Kelly Roman. Hello and welcome back. I'm Andrea Samadhi, a former educator who's been fascinated with learning the science behind high-performance strategies in school, sports, and the workplace for the past 20 years. If you've been listening to our podcast for some time, you'll know that we've uncovered that if we want to improve our social and emotional skills and experience success in our work and personal lives, it all begins with putting our brain health first. We've mentioned that sleep is one of the top five health staples that's a known brain health and Alzheimer's prevention strategy from episode 87, helping us to take our results, productivity, and health to these higher levels. So when I had the opportunity to improve my sleep, I jumped on the chance with the hopes that what I learned from my experience could help you or someone you know who might be struggling with getting enough sleep at night. There isn't a day that goes by that I don't hear someone in my network mention that they're working on improving their sleep. If you want to hear the episode with Kelly Roman, the CEO of Fisher-Wallace Labs, and their wearable medical devices to help improve sleep while also treating anxiety and depression, go back and listen to episode number 108. After this interview with Kelly Roman, and this was around last February of 2021, I shared with him that my brain scan at Amen Clinics in July of 2020 showed that Dr. Shane Creato felt my brain showed signs of sleep deprivation, and Kelly graciously offered to send me one of the devices paired with a Fitbit to see if we could improve my sleep. I accepted the offer and promised to take the month-long trial seriously. It's just a few days after the end of the month, and the results are in. But first, if you're interested in this device, contact Fisher Wallace Labs at fisherwallace.com or by calling 1-800-692-4380. For just under $500, they show a discount on their website when I last checked, You'll be mailed a kit with a brain stimulator, the electrode headset, Velcro headband, sponges, carry case manual, and shipping label. The Fitbit is separate if you want to measure your results like I did and something you can purchase on your own. They do offer a 30-day refund policy. There are videos that you can watch that show you how to use the device right on their website. So when I first received the device, it came quickly via FedEx and it was simple and easy to set up after I watched a video through their website. So here's what I learned. Before doing the month-long trial of wearing the device, Kelly suggested getting a baseline for my sleep and measure at least three days without using the device to see the quality and quantity of sleep beforehand. I wanted to get the most accurate reading of how I was sleeping before I tested the device, so I did everything I knew would help my sleep, like eliminating alcohol a week prior to the baseline and during the baseline, so I knew it wouldn't interfere and set the stage for a good night's sleep each night. Just to note, I have a strange sleep schedule, going to bed by 8.30 p.m. each night and waking up around 3.30 a.m., which is a seven-hour slot. And it's because I live in Arizona and I choose this sleep time mostly because the summers here are hot and it's helpful to be able to hit the hiking trails early in the morning, see the sunrise and beat the heat that gets well above 110 degrees in the summer. 
My baseline was shocking. And if you've never measured your sleep, I highly suggest doing this as a starting point. In that seven-hour slot, I was only averaging five hours and 28 minutes of sleep each night. And this was with me really trying during my baseline measurement. After week one of using the device twice a day for just 20 minutes, I felt a surge of energy as well as a clear head. But that first week, I had a couple of things I had to complete late into the night, and it threw off my schedule that week. Also, being a mom, there's times the kids wake up at night, and that also threw this week off. But after week two, I was averaging six hours and 23 minutes of sleep each night. This was a significant jump. So for the seven-hour block, it was saying I was sleeping for most of that block and not awake for an hour or so like the baseline week showed. And when the baseline week showed I was up an hour or so, this wasn't me up walking around doing work or anything. This was the fact that without the machine, the quality and quantity of my sleep was much less. After week three, I was close to six hours of sleep each night. Week four and five, breaking the six-hour mark, averaging about six hours and ten minutes. With what I know about sleep, just from the research I've been doing, and from my brain scan conversation with Dr. Shane Creato, a sleep expert who works with elite athletes, I know that I can still improve my sleep from getting six hours to seven hours, but this would mean not waking up as early, and I know for the time being this is the best slot for me, so we'll see how close to seven hours of sleep I can get using this device. This whole experience has given me a lot to think about and far more understanding with how to create more energy in the day by using a device that was designed to relax your brain and improve sleep. It clearly has improved mine. And just to let you know what it felt like when you put the electrodes on, I couldn't do email or work. I couldn't focus because there's times when you can feel it buzzing a little bit. It's almost like if you've used a TENS unit before. It's kind of like a buzzing feeling. If I close my eyes, I could see maybe some white lights or splashing lights. So it didn't work for me to do any work while I was doing this. So I chose to do my 20-minute slots during my meditation slot. So I logged in the show notes the specific weekly results. You can see the baseline week was February 21st to 28th. I averaged 5 hours and 28 minutes of sleep. You could see I started using the device in week 1, which was March 1st, for 20 minutes, two times a day. And in week 1, I averaged 5 hours and 23 minutes of sleep, remembering that I got 3 hours and 22 minutes of sleep one night just for the fact I had a deadline and had to work into the night that one day, and that kind of threw off the the scores that week. Week 2, I was up averaging 6 hours and 3 minutes of sleep, Week three, almost six hours of sleep. Week four, six hours and 10 minutes. And then week five, six hours and 10 minutes. The trial ended the 31st of March with me getting close to seven hours of sleep. And I measured without using the device. I went back to five hours and 22 minutes. When I used it again, I got almost close to seven hours of sleep. So from here, I'm going to continue to use the device and see if I can get my sleep into the seven-hour range. 
I also noticed other improvements in addition to sleep, and I know the device also helps to improve your mood, anxiety, and depression. While depression does run in my family, and it's something I'm fully aware of, it's not something I've encountered any symptoms with to date, and I think that it's because I'm aware of the fact I need a certain amount of exercise to keep the endorphins and neurotransmitters flowing. But I did notice I had more patience, was less high-strung or anxious, and was calmer with my day-to-day activities. I noticed this change immediately, and so did my husband. Along with an increase of energy, I was able to complete more tasks in less time and felt less stress before going to sleep. So my final evaluation, I will continue to use the Fisher-Wallace Brain Stimulator, maybe not every day, as I do want to continue to measure and see how I do without it, but I'd love to get my sleep into the seven-hour range because I know this would help me in many other areas of my life. If you would like to try the device or have any questions at all for me, please feel free to contact me with your questions, andrea at achieveit360.com. In the meantime, if you want to learn more about tips to improve your sleep, I recommend going back to some of our podcasts that dive deep into the importance of sleep, like episode 71 on self-regulation and sleep with a deep dive into Dr. Shane Credo's Sleep Peak Performance for Athletes, or episode 85 with Dr. Sarah Mackay on high-performing brain health strategies that we should all know about and implement. See you later next week with episode number 121 with Paul Zentarski, who's the former PE teacher from Naperville, Illinois, where I'll dive deep into exactly what their program entailed to achieve the outstanding results that put them on the map for the most compelling case study, proving the profound impact that exercise has on our cognitive abilities. See you then. So here's a sleep study revision. After I released my sleep study episode, I sent it over to Kelly Roman from Fisher Wallace Laboratories, and he let me know that there were some important considerations that I should mention to further improve this episode to go a bit deeper into the sleep study results. He suggested that I read the article, How to Interpret the Results of a Sleep Study, that had some important terminology that he felt was important to mention. The article explains total sleep time. The total sleep time is the total amount of sleep time scored during the total recording time. This includes time from sleep onset to sleep offset and is distributed throughout the sleep time as minutes of stage N1 sleep, stage N2 sleep, N3, and rapid eye movement sleep. All these times are described in minutes. A low total sleep time may indicate that the patient slept for an insufficient period of time due to non-medical or non-physiological reasons. Long total sleep time may suggest prior sleep deprivation, medical conditions, or effects of medications. A Fitbit does measure these sleep stages, and in my study, I show the total time I was asleep in the seven-hour block of time and minutes awake, but I didn't share the REM time since I only got this report with a sleep score, and I'm not sure why some days I didn't get a sleep score with my Fitbit. If I was to repeat this study or go deeper into my results, I could look at the stages of sleep and REM time to see how much deep sleep I'm getting using the device versus without the device. 
Looking at the scores, I can see that my baseline week, I was averaging 42 minutes of REM sleep and 58 minutes in my last week using the device. There was also sleep efficiency mentioned in the article. Sleep efficiency is another important parameter that refers to the percentage of total time in bed actually spent in sleep. It's calculated as the sum of stage N1, stage N2, stage N3, and REM sleep divided by the total time in bed and multiplied by 100. Sleep efficiency gives an overall sense of how well the patient slept, but it does not distinguish frequent brief episodes of wakefulness. I looked up sleep efficiency and found a calculator to help figure this time out, and I'm not sure how accurate this calculator is, but this is a start for taking a closer look at some of the data from my sleep study. So if I looked at my baseline to see my sleep efficiency, I looked at February 24th where I went to sleep at 8.27 p.m. and woke up at 3.12 a.m. And I used the sleep efficiency calculator to see how efficient it says my sleep was in that baseline period. And it calculated I was in bed for 423 minutes or 7.1 hours and awake 1.3 hours and had a sleep efficiency score of 82%. In my final week, I took the last day of the study, March 31st, where I went to sleep at 7.56 p.m. and woke up at 3.29 a.m. The calculator logged 454 minutes of sleep, which was 7.6 hours, with 57 minutes awake and a sleep efficiency score of 87%, which shows an improvement. Another important parameter was wakefulness after sleep onset, or WASO. This refers to periods of wakefulness occurring after the defined sleep onset. This parameter measures wakefulness, excluding the wakefulness occurring before sleep onset. The Fitbit measures total time awake, but I did log this time in my results. This was part of the study that I found to be a bit shocking since I just assumed that when I went to sleep around 8.30 p.m. that I was sleeping until I woke up around 3.30 in the morning or so. I didn't know that during this seven block of time, I was averaging 53 minutes of wakefulness in my baseline and 29 minutes of wakefulness in my last week of testing. It's eye-opening to see how the device improved my sleep WASO score. In my baseline, I showed an average of 47.2 minutes awake, and in the final week, it improved to 36.8 minutes using the device. Kelly Roman suggested I look at each week using the device compared to the baseline of 5 hours and 28 minutes of sleep, so that's 323 minutes, showing week 1 not much changed due to that one night I had to work late into the night, and I only had 323 minutes of sleep. Week 2 showed an increase of 35 minutes of sleep. Week 3 showed an increase of 23 minutes of sleep. Week 4, an increase of 42 minutes. And week 5, it was the same with an increase of 42 minutes above that baseline. According to Kelly Roman, 20 minutes of sleep increase is what it says would be the gold standard minimum. That doesn't seem like a lot, but it allows for improved REM sleep. And over time, he says it reduces sleep debt. What was powerful was that my study showed an increase of much more than this gold standard of 20 minutes improvement, showing me that the device worked better than I realized before I showed him the results. He also suggested the importance of talking about drug therapy for sleep improvement 
where a drug like Ambien would be clinically significant to improve total sleep time by 20 minutes per night, and my results showed to be much higher than this. The Fisher-Wallace device is an incredible tool for improving sleep without using any medicines. But it's important to note, I've heard over and over again from Dr. Daniel Amen of the negative impacts that sleep aids have on the brain, saying they cause memory problems, daytime drowsiness, confusion, addiction, and severe withdrawal symptoms if they're abruptly discontinued. So if you're listening to this episode, using a doctor-prescribed sleep medicine, please do speak to your doctor before making any changes to your healthcare plans. I hope this additional information on my sleep study was helpful for you if you know that sleep is something you want to improve. I'm going to continue to improve mine and so grateful to have had this opportunity to test the Fisher-Wallace sleep device. See you soon. If you're enjoying the Neuroscience Meets Social and Emotional Learning podcast, please don't forget to subscribe so you'll stay up to date with our new episodes. While you're there, please feel free to give us a review or a five-star rating as it helps others find us. For more information on our programs, books, and tools for schools and the workplace, visit us at www.achieveit360.com.